Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. For today's topic, we're going to be talking more on our world building, discussing cities, towns, villages, the architecture and layouts, and some ways to make that a little more realistic, integrate that into your games a bit. I'd also like to take a moment before we get started and apologize. Some of our content, some of our responses online have been a little bit slower lately. This may at a glance seem like bad news it's actually really good news the reasons we haven't been as responsive online is because we have a number of projects coming through the pipeline that have really been at some key junctures that we've been focusing a lot of energy on that we're going to start seeing those come through within the next month or so we're going to start getting the first of those out and we do have plans for several months of special items, special favors on the road. You can definitely check out our Patreon blog, uh, uh, patreon.com slash Game Master Studio for a little bit of a sneak peek for what we can do uh, and what we've got coming up. But we've got some fun things on the way and we hope you stay with us for the ride. So getting back to the actual regular scheduled show on world building today, we do want to introduce around the table. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the world of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and a very distraught, disturbed looking Ed. Yeah, I've been playing this new city builder game that I found, and every time I finally get the, the layout that I want, my economy starts going up, Godzilla attacks my town, and there's no button to hire adventurers to kill him. I thought they'd just migrate in and do it on their own. Apparently not. All right. So today we are talking uh, architecture, cities, towns, and villages, uh, discussing a lot of the physical parts of that and we're going to go in a later episode talking a little bit more in depth on the population and how that can add the special flavoring to it but today talking about the talking about the physicality of the actual villages towns and cities that populate your world now jared you obviously built the world of wrath doing a lot with uh building all these little cities and towns, even down to tiny fishing villages and such. Um, so why don't you get us started in talking about the the purpose behind placement on you know, your cities, towns, villages, and other points of civilization? Okay, so the first trick um, was to have all your geography in order, at least for me. I, you know, I started with my map, had all my geography in order because most 99% of your, your villages and your towns are going to be based around the geography. And 99% of those that are based around geography are going to be based around the concept of whether or not the village slash town slash centralized location for people has access to fresh water. That is one of the most important things to have in mind. Um, I mean, in a fantasy world, there's lots of options for getting around that. You can say, okay, well, we have this magical well that always replenishes itself because there's a continuous create water spell going on. But if you're going to go for just, you know, realistic, you know, non-magical and, you know, non-magically influenced placement, then really you just want to look at the geography. Do they have access to 
um, most of my uh, <clears throat> towns are placed near rivers or streams, so they have access to fresh water there. Um, or they're going to be near ocean, the oceans themselves, so they have access to, you know, again, because food's the, the, the other big thing. Like, are they a farming village? Do they grow crops? Do they, you know, do they fish? Uh, do they hunt? So, but yeah, fresh water is one of the, the most important things. So, um, bases of mountains, it's typically where streams and rivers tend to start to form. Um and that if they if it's some sort of like desert village or something like that, you want to make sure that again that they have maybe it's near an oasis or there's some sort of like well system that they dug up. You know, there's some sort of underground stream that they've had access to uh, in frozen areas. Again, like there's plenty of water technically around you when you're surrounded by snow, but they need to be able to drink the water. So either they're melting it down. They have some sort of you know access to that, or again, there is a nearby, preferably a stream or a river, because that moving water is not going to freeze. You know, you don't want it next to a lake. Where if it's a temperate area, being next to a lake could be ideal. Um, so those are kind of like you know for for placement of, of especially smaller towns. That's kind of uh, what you're looking at. You know, so. So if you if you have your map built out, you've got your geography laid out, you can kind of look at that and really just logically uh, extrapolate where the towns are likely to be and then just start putting them in there. Exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, if how I built my, you know, like Marizian is my, my fully fleshed out um, continent, you know, made a rough outline, you know, came up with the, the, the concept and shape of the, the continent and then just started going through and saying, OK, well, mountains are here and here and here and here, you know, and we kind of talked about geography and building from the top down kind of thing. So, you know, first I started with my mountains and then now that I have my mountains, I kind of have my logical places for where my streams are going to form, you know, kind of kind of come up with basic concepts of elevations where like my my lakes and and uh, um, ponds and all that stuff are going to form. And now that I have that all in place and I have my geography, you can easily go, okay, there's fresh water here, 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 and here. So dot, 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 each dot representing a town. And then, then you can go through and get more elaborate. Like, okay, well, this is a, a major city that is going to have been purposely forced into this location because it exists between a bunch of naturally occurring villages. But then you can kind of pull the Rome thing. where like, okay, well, we have an aqueduct system set up. Or again, if it's a fantasy world with magic, you know, like, okay, well, we have some magical, you know, like... Uh, spells in place that are going to provide this fresh water. We have a or portal the case to the elemental plane of water that's just yeah. constantly on. Exactly. You know, every house is equipped with a um, a bottle of, you know, everlasting water or whatever it is. You know, like instead of a sink, you know, or a faucet, you just, you unplug this bottle and boom, the water just keeps coming out. You know, get a glass who, who of water fresh from the jug. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to bring it up too. That's a very uh, top down view of it. If you already have created your world and your continent that your things are going to be on, you can sort of map out your geography and where your city's going to go. You can also do it from the bottom up. You know, if you, all you know is you want to run a game, so you got to create this village. Okay, create the village. You know, uh, use some of the tips that we're going to be providing in this episode and the next one to create the village. But then definitely think of what's around it. Just like you said, using the same examples you gave, you know, you want to think about, well, where do they get their water from? Yeah, you're what, just reverse engineering it. Basically. Yeah, what kind of industry yeah. do they have? That sort of thing. Another thing to think about is, does it have a strategic location? You sort of touched on this with like a city maybe built or a town maybe built between a couple of cities. Maybe it's just there because it's a good waypoint. 
you know, it's partway between the two. It's, you know, good for trading. They may not have a lot of fresh water. There's probably a well, but they might have to import water. You know, maybe they don't have a lot of other goods nearby, but they make their living off of the fact that people are always traveling through. So they're able to provide that service and make money off of that. Yeah, there's kind of the traditional garrison that watches the mountain pass because it's the only way through the mountains. And then the town kind of springs up to support the garrison. And then now next thing you know, you have a town that's just on the mountains because that's where people are passing through. Yeah. And that's why I'm a fan of like that, that top down approach, like what I did. Cause again, you're going to start with all your naturally occurring, like, you know, uh, you know, small villages. Okay. We're again, based off of fresh water access, but then, which will then lead to where your your larger cities will eventually spring up. Like, okay, well, this is a big, you know, massive river. There's lots of, you know, industry that's based, you know, that's working off of that. They got tons of fresh water. There's a fishing village. There's also very um, um, uh, nutritious, you know, soil nearby. So lots of farms popped up and blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, this is turned turn into a capital. Now they have a big army. Now they're the threat to the other big city on the other side of the mountain because of just where things naturally popped up. So now you need the garrison over here between those two. So that's when you start filling in, you know, first you start with your naturally occurring towns and you start filling in with like, okay, well, if we got a major city here because of this, you know, because of X, we got a major city here because of Y and they're in conflict with each other. And like you said, there's this one naturally occurring mountain pass. Now we're going to have a, you know, this town, you know, this city might have a garrison on this side. This one might have a garrison on the other side. And then you said like, there's going to be small towns that now prop up around that. Right. So you're just kind of, you know, starting from, you know, again, technically starting from the top and working your way down, but it's kind of also starting like basically it's almost looking at like a timeline, like, okay, well we started at 10,000 BC and we're working our way forward. You know what I mean? Like first caveman found fresh water. (laughs) Now we have big city. Now we have army. Now we have this. Now we have trades because there's this cluster of all these cities over here, but then there is, you know, a hundred miles between that cluster and another cluster. You're going to have some trade routes. You're going to have some, you know, some smaller towns that spring up because of these trade posts and stuff like that. So, yeah, so definitely these are, I think, some good tips for if you uh, if you're planning out making a a city or a town or a village and and try to where to put it uh, geographically. But it might also come up that either you didn't maybe originally plan that much or you just really want to put a city somewhere. You know, first of all, if that's fine, just do it. But if you want to come up with a reason, come up with an obscure reason, like maybe there was uh, uh, um, a gold rush in the area. So, you know, a bunch of people went out there to find gold and just naturally people followed and they built uh, they built a town or a city or something along those lines. There may not be a lot of good access to water. There's probably a well here or over there, but it might, it might not be right near where everyone is. It might not be well protected geographically. A lot of a lot of cities are also protected um, geographically. So it might just be something that's out there in the middle of nowhere that a lot of people live at or go to, but it's not exactly a trade town or there's not another reason to go except maybe something along those lines. I had, I actually had another couple of ideas just for why would there be a town that's kind of not anywhere logical, but that fits with the story. Um, The two I came up with was one people following a religious leader Mm -hmm. who declared that this is where we shall make our sacred ground. Yeah. And sure. and you know we've seen that actually pop up historically. There's in on Earth there've been a couple of those, um, and some of them are very thriving cities now. Um, you also might have had the source of a battle. 
you know, the, the battle happened here because we're not destroying any natural resources. But when it's over, the people who are left behind just kind of stayed there and stayed there because they didn't have anywhere else to go. And then it just other people came through and passed and just grew out from there. Uh, another one is, um, again, like for like kind of because these are fantasy games typically, I mean, or, you know, science fiction or whatever, but they're not real. Uh, you can do spinoffs kind of like based off of like your worship kind of concept where you have some leaders saying this is sacred ground instead of someone following this leader to that location is people could also go to a location. Like I came to worship this dragon. So a pilgrimage right. site. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, people come from miles around to come and worship the dragon. Eventually this tiny little town popped up that just is about full of a bunch of dragon worshipers and, and the dragon, dragon doesn't have any problem with them bringing him free food all the time and giving him free treasures. He doesn't even have to leave his cave, you know right. what I mean? Or whatever the situation is. Dragon. And yeah. really in the end, aren't you just trying to make sure all the dragons are happy? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Uh, so also geographically, you can. So we've been touching on fantasy a lot. You can also think of uh, other you can think of sort of modern style games, uh, really anything with any sort of technology or industry. They're going to have a lot better access to being able to move resources around. So your towns or cities or whatnot don't have to make as much sense in that case. Also, you might want to even go. I apologize. I'll, I'll be quick. Also, you might even want to go sci-fi futuristic where you're, you're just out in space. A space station is basically a big city in space that is probably near a resource that it's mining, but not necessarily it has all the resources it needs near it. And of course it would have to be shipped in. Uh, or instead of a mountain that. pass, it's just guarding a wormhole to the Delta quadrant. It yeah. could very well be doing that. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, if you want more sci-fi uh, and I kind of started to jump in and cut you off. So it was my fault, but um. <laughs> I was going to say, if you go more sci-fi, so it, <laughs> it's it's kind of more of the opposite. Like, you don't need to worry about being up near, you know, fresh water. Because, again, right. like like Star Trek style, like, you know, you, you got your replicators, you know. So exactly. it's going to be more of the there is natural resources here or this is a strategic location or this is a trading post outlet. Like, this is a natural star path that, you know, like a lot of people, you know, that most ships take to go from this quadrant to that quadrant. Right. So I'm going to spring up here as a trading post or this planet has these rare resources. So that's why there are cities here mining them yeah. or again the wormhole you know like this is a strategic location that needs to be guarded you're uh actually you getting into talking about star paths and sci-fi actually led me to another one that's a common trope in these games is the uh we'll call it the wretched hive which is where you know criminals and outlaws go to get away from the law there's going to be a high demand for that in the games you know by your stereotypical tropes that come up so it's very likely you could have an out of the way place that's populated by a lot of you know criminals and outlaws I have one right on marizian right in the middle of the desert that's where you know the yeah. the empire of the banished yeah 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 there's really good examples of that of course uh uh um the hive of villainy that comes from uh Moss Eisley uh, Canteen in, in, uh, in Star Wars. But, you know, for uh, other sorts of examples, there's a, a Western example. If you've ever watched uh, Deadwood, that's basically what it started out as. Bit of a mining town, but also uh, criminals were had sort of had started it. Uh, not hey, good people. If it's good enough for Australia, it's good enough for, for Exactly. <laughs> so there's all kinds of examples of that. Um, yep. Um, yeah. And actually, Boomtowns is also on our list of stuff we wanted to mm -hmm. talk about, um, which... Since we're still talking about, you know, the, the the placement and development and growth, 
boomtowns are towns that grow very, very quickly because they attract a lot of people in for a very specific reason. And while it largely had a lot of connection to the to the Wild West, especially in you know the American folklore connotations, because there was a lot of gold rushes, land rushes and such. Um, it's something that also works in games. It could very well be a, a gold rush as well. It could be the king has now said that those those who settle these lands after the first of spring will have ownership upon those lands. And the boomtown springs up on the border because everybody's trying to get there. So they're as close as possible to the first of spring so they can get out there and get it. You might have an adventuring party that took down a dragon, but the dragon wasn't in its lair. So it's lair full of gold is still out there somewhere. The horde is waiting for whoever can find it and plunder it. That could wind up bringing a lot of people in. And this is going to segue also into one of the other things that we were talking about with architecture, uh, which goes with layout and density and how that's affected by growth. Yeah, definitely for like a boom town, there might not be a lot of city planning. You might have this huge mass of buildings and whatnot that have been put up with no regard to cities or or so with streets or city structure. They were built as needed where they could. Exactly. Or maybe your city was planned out in the future. Someone realized this place is going to grow or we're going to make sure it grows. So they plan it out really well. Uh, you know, maybe set down a really good grid pattern or that sort of thing. Uh, so that's something to think about for your, you know, when you're building your city, town or village is how well, how well were, was it planned? You know, how easy is it get from, to get from one point to another, you know? Yeah, and that's and that's gonna that's gonna affect the gameplay a little bit, and it's gonna it's gonna add a little personality to the towns. You know, if something's built on an easy grid, back and forth, left and right, and then it's all fine. Where if it's these twisted, winding streets, it's gonna be difficult for the players, and also make for exciting chase sequences mm-hmm. from a DM's perspective. Yeah, I mean, you see that the the evolution of these towns and a lot of, you know, cities like where they have like the, you got the old district, you know, then you got like the merchant district and stuff like that. Or, you know, like, OK, well, originally this town, you know, this what is now currently a, a fair sized city used to be a small town, which is usually kind of like what the old district, you know, would kind of represent. Like, OK, well, this is kind of like the remnants of the the old, you know, what the town was originally, you know, when it was smaller. Maybe it only took up like, you know, a quarter mile, you know, area and, you know, it was a combination of mostly residents, but a couple, you know, random business locations. And then the city started to expand and just started, maybe it didn't grow out perfectly circular centered around that, but it grew off, off to the side over here. And then as the city grew, then a whole bunch of merchants came in. And so then they all got together like, well, we'd feel safer if we make one district with a whole bunch of stores so we can kind of all keep an eye on each other and kind of like help provide our own security by keeping, you know, uh, all these stores can, you know, again, kind of like a little mini city watch kind of thing, you know, like I'll watch your back. You watch my back. You know, if someone robs my store, then they got to deal with both of us kind of thing. You know, again, you know, let's, I think, you know, I would have to do some research historically, but that's always been kind of like my common sense assumption to why there's kind of like these, these merchant districts, you know what I mean? Uh, kind of like, you know, like self-policing. Like if we're all together, we're safer in numbers kind of thing. You don't want a gold shop in the middle of, you know, old town over here. And then, you know, like the pawn shop over, you know, like halfway across town and, and all you have is slums and residents in between. And it's also easier for cops to, you know, a cop or who are guard or whatever your, your authority is to be able to respond if they're located close to where most of the crime is most likely to take place. 
I thought that was kind of interesting there. I don't know if you've ever played uh, World of Warcraft, but the human capital is divided into various districts, one of them being Old Town, which reminded me of that. And they also have a trade district, the Merchant's Quarter, the Cathedral District, uh, Dwarven District. And as you go from district to district, there's also different flavors. So it's almost like it's like six or seven different towns kind of put together to make this city. Um, and there's borders that you can actually kind of see as you're moving from one district to another yeah i mean it's i mean which is still i mean it's based off of you know the real world like you go to new york city and you got chinatown you know you got little italy you know what i mean you have like because again like-minded folks you know like if a bunch of italians not only like do you have three or four large families that might have moved in here but also like any more italians that come in they're more likely to want a habitat near like-minded you know you know similarly background people you know, so you they tend to, you know, to establish their their housing together. So you have a you know, like a large bunch of Italian families that are over here. You have a bunch of Chinese families that are over here. Yeah. So definitely and you have different districts for different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you're not just making up different districts to, to isolate or try to be, you know, racist or stereotypical or whatever, but like there's an actual, like there's rhyme to the reason and reason to the rhyme. And, uh, and as a GM, I think it's a good idea to also come up with some of the stuff, figure out that backstory, even if it never comes out in a, in a blatant straight up, here's how this works. There should still be an underlying feel to it that gives a flavor that maybe your players don't 100% understand, but they can see the influence of. And I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about how the little like racial segregation and immigration and such can cause some of those splits uh, when we talk a little bit more about the populace uh, in the next episode. Uh, Yeah, just. Oh, again, like back to the, the districts, which is what kind of got me on that little side tangent. Yeah. So, you know, you get your, your market district. I think that's an important thing to have, you know, again, built off of whether it's the market districts directly off of your original town or, you know, there's another district in between. But having those districts and showing that growth, um, other t- towns or cities might have literally spiraled, you know, cent- you know, centralized off of the original town. So you're just slowly building a few more, another ring of buildings and another ring of buildings and another ring of buildings and another ring of buildings. Until eventually you have this giant circular-esque, oval-esque kind of city. And you can almost see like the layers of growth like an onion. Like, okay, well, these, you know, as you, the further, you know, the outskirts of the town is, you know, the newer stuff. And as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, it gets older and older and older and older. Stuff like that, you know, like different concepts like that is, you know, that adds a lot of flavor. It also, you can, you know, keep in mind just how the city built, how, or how the city was built. You know, what did it start as? Why did it start? How long has it been around? You know, a city that's 100 years old is going to be smaller than a city that's a thousand years old. (laughs) Typically. Yeah. Typically, there's there's always different reasons for why that might not be true. But again, typically, that's just kind of how it works. And then again, this gets a little bit more into populace, but you also have to look at what type of money is going into it. You know, if you have a lot of nobles that are living there, they're going to put the money in to make it a you know, better buildings, you know, they're going to want everything to be planned and proper so that it's aesthetically pleasing as opposed to people who are like, we need shelter. We need it now. Right. Um, and another thing that you obviously want to look at is the actual uh, architecture of your buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just the layout, but yeah, maybe but who the, built the it. The look, the style, the feel. So maybe uh, you're running a fantasy game. Maybe it's a human village or town, but maybe it was based off of a dwarven town that was created, you know, in a hill somewhere. 
you know, and these humans just took it over because it was empty and they needed shelter, you know. Uh, maybe it was uh, in, in Elven Town that, you know, was raided by orcs. Uh, or you could even just have a, a town that orcs themselves have built. So you want to make sure to add some flavor to your town um, based on the architecture itself. Uh, you know, who did, who originally designed it, but also who built the buildings? How does it look? You know, does it have more of an Eastern feel to it or more of a Western feel to it? And then you can even get into the exotic fantasy feel. Like you yes. could have a dwarven built town that really just looks like a few small stone buildings that are spaced out kind of oddly. And as it turns out, they're all stairwells down into the actual buildings that are carved out of the ground. And they have these grand structures underground. And all you see is a little, you know, outcropping up above, maybe like, you know, the size of a shed that opens up to the huge city hall. That is exactly where I was about to go with that. Cool. I stole Ed's thunder. Uh, Yeah. I was actually going to jump in and say, you know, take advantage of the surrounding geography, depending on where it was built as well. Like you can have, you know, the, human or elven or whatever uh, race you choose, but they, you know, they build their houses up in the trees. Yep. Uh, Solace again, from the Dragonlance series. Yep. Um, again, you, like you said, you can build them underground. Yeah. Uh, and also what kind of buildings, you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, you know, they live in a, a, a cold temperate area. So there's lots of snow and that sort of thing. So of course you're going to have slanted rooftops, you know, uh, if it's not underground to begin with or, igloos. You know, or maybe they don't, they live somewhere where there's almost none of that. So you see nothing but flat rooftops um, or exactly. Maybe it's different kinds of structures like igloos, or maybe it's a pyramid or maybe it's a ziggurat or something along those lines. Maybe you're coming across a village that was created around this really old ziggurat that somebody found. And it's, you know, good for a few people to, to stand at It's a good central location for defense and that sort of thing. It's not great if you have better technology than that or better architecture than that. It's not the best place, but it's something and there's a village around there. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can implement into your game to uh, give your cities, towns, and villages a certain feel flavor and really to design them out to make them seem either realistic or fantastic or if you didn't put those into your plan ahead of time, just sort of explain why it might seem a little different. Yeah. I think also building material is a yeah. big one. That's, yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Whether it's stone, brick, clay, wood, um, or possibly even you know you have and like some weird rare material that's actually really abundant in an area. Like yep. for some reason, like uh, I know the rest of the world thinks it's rare, but like we have an overabundance of mithril here. Mm-hmm. So we built our yeah. structures out of, you know, at least the framework out of mithril or even the entire structure out of mithril yeah, or of, gold or something weird like that. Th- think of the Marvel universe, Wakanda, uh, huge, huge, huge deposits of vibranium to them. It's everything. It's, it's all it, it's not really expensive to them. It's, they have so much of it, mm-hmm. but the rest of the world thinks it's expensive, but they, they build most of their stuff out of it, or at least a lot of their, a lot of their stuff out of it. So, and then you also have the uh, traditional uh, image of the native American in the Midwest, which they didn't have permanent homes. They had the temporary nomadic living. And so they had to use structures that they could transport. So they're often made out of, you know, hide leather yeah. um, and such, which again, adds its own flavor. Yeah, and even things that you might forget, like, you know, old school, uh, like down in South America, like there was, I forget what they're referred to, but like some structures were made out of mud. Adobe. Yeah, thank you. 
So, you know, any, whatever, whatever resource is abundant and can be made into a structure, like that's what's going to typically be used, at least in the more primitive styles, you know, later on as trade occurs, you know, then like, oh, hey, well, we started trading buckets of mud for wood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great way to add that flavor. Maybe you are going into an area that has a very low tech area and that's what they're using. You know, they're using, you know, mud and maybe some wood or they're just using thatch and leaves because maybe they're in a. Uh, a, a place that has a lot of trees, maybe a forest of some sort, and they can just create, just they have all the sticks and twigs and leaves that they need. Or they're trading sheep for wood, and so yeah. they raise the animals and swap them out for the building materials they need. Yeah, and also maybe you have, and I guess this this could really be mostly in the next episode, but maybe you have people who started that small muddy village, and then they go to this huge luxurious town that's made out of steel and has like you know, other, other metals, shiny metals and, you know, built into the structures. And they're looking at this going, I did not know things like this could exist. So definitely for a fantasy setting, it might be good to think of these different contrasts and use them so that you can really kind of tell your story. You know, maybe that's not as important to you. And if not, then maybe this, you know, episode isn't uh, high up on your list, but if this is something you want, certainly make, make your different cities different in ways that they would be different. Yeah. And even if materials aren't like the primary issue or concern, maybe this particular town has access to anything and everything. But then again, like you mentioned before, like, you know, architectural design, like, okay, does it have more of a Gothic feel? Does it have more of a new age feel? Does it have more of an Oriental feel? Does it have more of an African feel? You know what I mean? And even those are very large generalizations. There's lots of more very specific subcategorizations you can look at through that, you know, like, okay, we got like this, you know, neo modern Gothic look over here. We got kind of like a, you know, the, this, this place has lots of, you know, kind of almost more modern day where like it's made out of steel with lots of glass windows and it's very, has a very reflective look to the city from afar. And this city over here has kind of got more of a, like an old, uh, European kind of Gothic feeling where you got lots of sharp pointy, you know, like buildings, you know, like your old cathedrals and stuff like that, or more of like the Russian look where you have like those large domes, you know, and even even looking at, at modern historical, they'll sometimes talk about architecture and structures and designs based on the trend. So they're talking about, you know, what era was it built in? Mm-hmm. You know, if it was built under this particular reign, you know, this type of design might have been popular. So just, you know, a few uh, decades difference could wind up with this building looks drastically different from another. Yeah. And that's where you can kind of uh, play that up again with like the the building of the older city where like, okay, well, you know, going through the different tiers, like, okay, like, again, the, like the onion city, like the outside has maybe like this neo-Gothic thing going on. But then when you finally get to the, you know, the very center of it, you have lots of wooden shanty kind of structures, you know what I mean? Like some very small buildings, they look starting to rot as different feels, different vibes. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're, Talking about, you know, the architecture, structures and size villages. And next time when we come back, we'll actually be talking about the people that live there and even more tools that you can use for the populace to help differentiate these cities and help tell your story uh, throughout the system. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are Game Master Studio. We are available with any questions or to any comments you'd have, any topics you'd like to hear. Definitely get in touch with us. We do like to get feedback and we do like to work those into the shows so that we can tailor towards what you're looking for. 
We're available to be supported at patreon.com slash Game Master Studio. We also have a blog set up there that we're going to be releasing a little information about these extra projects we're doing before they actually hit the main pipeline. So if you want to be the first to hear about what's going on, then you'll have to go sign up there. Our message boards are available at gamemasterstudio.proboards.com to talk and have conversations. Keep up with some of the latest with us on Twitter. Our handle is GMS Studios and a lot of information talking with fans through Twitter and, of course, Facebook. Like, comment, subscribe and look at all the pretty pictures that we post. Uh, luckily, though, I don't think we've posted any of us yeah. yet. <laughs> so thank you for joining us and we will be back next time we're in the studio. And now Jared hit stop.